0: Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Business of Fun podcast. I'm your host, Dave Wakeman. Today's episode is brought to you by my friends at Booking Protect, the global leaders in refund protection. Any listing, any sector, anywhere, Booking Protect has you covered with the world's most comprehensive refund protection product. To find out how you and your organization can partner with Booking Protect to deliver world-class customer service, a better, more customized buying experience, and how you and your organization can create a new stream of revenue. Visit them at www.bookingprotect.com. Once again, that's www.bookingprotect.com. Are you going to be coming to the Ticketing Professionals Conference of Australia in Sydney on the 14th and 15th of November? I'm going to be there with my good friend Simon Mab, CEO of Booking Protect. I'll be delivering the opening keynote address about innovation and change called The Courage to Change. And Simon's going to be talking about customer service. You can get your tickets to come see me and Simon by visiting the Ticketing Professionals website at www.ticketingprofessionals.com.au. Once again, that's www.ticketingprofessionals.com.au. One more thing I have started a brand new once a week newsletter called Talking Tickets that gives you five stories that you should have been paying to over the the course of the week with a little short analysis, a paragraph or so, about why it's important, what you might have missed, and how to look at the the issue and the story. You can get that at the link that's going to be in the show notes or by sending me an email, daviddavewakeman.com. Put talking tickets in the subject line, and I will get you hooked up. My guest today is Doug Mann. Doug Man is from the Victoria Racing Club in Melbourne, Australia, and this is a great episode. This is like one of the ones that I think I'm going to look back on and go, I think we learned a lot here. And I say that um, for a lot of reasons, but one of the most important things and one thing I wanted to point you to at the very start is we get into a pretty deep conversation about what makes the Victoria Racing Club stand out. And we talk about the organization's philosophy. And everything they do is focused on being world class. And this is a bug that I have had up my, in my or be in my bonnet, I believe we would say, for years. Everybody talks about best in class or the, you know, industry standard or whatever. And your guests are not judging you based on what's going on in the industry. They're, they're judging you based on what's going on in the rest of the world. And this is a very important thing, and we talk about it for for a good bit of time. And Doug gives some tremendous uh, examples and some tremendous ideas that I think will be helpful. Uh, We talk about all kinds of stuff about you know the Melbourne Cup Carnival. We talk about uh, you know how they make the the experience special for guests. We talk about some of the things that they do to encourage people to come, even if they're not a big horse racing fan. We talk about hospitality. We talk about. Value. We talk about uh, innovation. We talk about service. We talk about um, different philosophies, loyalty, um, risks. We talk about the way that they treat their memberships and how they treat members over the course of time to create value and get people to keep coming back for more. Uh, This is like a really, really great conversation, and I'm really curious to get your feedback on. So without any more from me, here's my conversation with Doug Mann from the Victoria Racing Club on the Business of Fun. I want to welcome Doug Mann from the Victoria Racing Club to the Business of Fun podcast. What's up, man? Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Oh, man, this is exciting. You know, I have been talking to a lot of Australians lately. And so, I, because if nobody knows by now, I don't think they've been listening regularly, but I'll be in Australia soon. Uh, and you've been one of the people I have kind of leaned on, as far as learning about the market, learning some of the, the challenges, some of the opportunities, some of the things that you guys do well, some of the things that maybe you wish you did better. You know, all of these things. So, um, you know, in a public setting, I want to thank you for like being so generous with me, um, and thank you for doing the podcast. Absolute pleasure, Dave. Thank you. Yeah, I, I say that I'm doing a bad. I'm, I'm doing a. Um, a disservice to most Americans because I am like much more gracious and much more friendly than the average American when they when they come anywhere. So uh, I'm going to try <laughs> to continue that today. Um, <laughs> but let me start out because you have a super exciting event that I'm going to miss by about two days coming up called the Melbourne Cup Carnival. Uh, That's For right. people who don't know this, um, this thing was like something that has been going on for a long time. And it was like one of the things that uh, you know, because most of the aud- a lot of the audience is going to be Americans. Something so exciting that Mark Twain wrote about it. Um, can you give us a little bit of an idea about what what the carnival looks like and what it is, and why it's so important and why it's so awesome uh, for people who may be either hearing it for the fir- about it for the first time or just as a sales pitch to people who may not be coming.
1: Absolutely. It's a pleasure to do so, um, and it's a real privilege to work for Victoria Racing Club. Uh, the Melbourne Cup Carnival is coming up in early November this year from the 2nd until the 9th. Uh, it's, it's really one of the world's biggest, most vibrant racing events. Um, over four days of horse racing, um, we, we attract more than 300,000 attendees to our venue, Flemington Racecourse. And, uh, it's been a huge event year on year. It's getting bigger and better. We've added a lot over the, uh, over the years, including a lot more fashion, a lot more entertainment. Uh, there's a lot of hospitality and, uh, for Australia, it's seen as the race that stops the nation. So, um, a lot of the, a lot of the people around the country will take the day off to to watch our race, to attend if they can. Uh, people come from overseas, from interstate, and uh, if people are meant to be at work, there's a lot of people that will take the day off to celebrate the day, so we're quite fortunate to have uh, such an iconic event that we get to put on every year for, for everyone.
0: Yeah. Now, you, in this introduction, you brought up some interesting stuff about how all the different things you kind of added over the, the last few years, right? Fashion, entertainment, hospitality, uh, and the idea that the race stops the nation. That leads me to the question, right, is, you know, what is kind of leading some of these decisions that you're making about adding – aspects to the experience and I ask that not because you know because I think it's awesome number one but number two because a lot of organizations a lot of businesses around the world probably are challenged with that same sort of idea and so if you can walk us through a little bit of the thought process and kind of the um the way that you approach adding pieces to your experience
1: sure sure yeah well with um with horse racing, there's there's obviously um, the the real core racing enthusiasts who who love the sport, the horses, uh, love love wagering and gambling on on that part of uh, the sport. Then um, the majority of people are, are dressing up quite well to attend our races in Australia, and uh, with that, uh, the fashion and some fashion competitions um they started quite a long time ago it was um back in the back in uh, probably around the 60s um and that's just grown and grown every year with um some of australia's and uh some of our big fashion labels and department stores being involved and uh the fashion has grown so much now that um we're also holding an event in China that actually involves um, a winner from China coming over to participate in our fashion event during uh, Kennedy Yoke's Day, which is our third day of our carnival. So fashion certainly goes hand in hand with racing in Australia. Um, and then when it comes to entertainment, we've really stepped that up in the last few years, um, bringing some uh, big headline entertainment to our events. So it may be that some some of our customers uh, are less focused on the racing side, but they're certainly keen to come along and uh, witness the fashion events, but also uh, check out some of the, the stages that we have on site where um, they can see uh, big names like this year we've just announced Taylor Swift is coming over and playing a few songs for us on Lexus Melbourne Cup Day. And uh, that's all included with the price of a admission ticket into the race course. So uh, entertainment has also become a huge, huge part of what we do on race days.
0: Taylor Swift's coming. I'm totally missing out.
1: <laughs> yeah, you are. You are.
0: So,
1: um, yeah, we've, we've uh, yeah, been fortunate to... Uh, have her join us and uh, last year we had Sam Smith as well so yeah we've really looked to um, make sure that we provide world class entertainment to match everything else we do around uh, the race course
0: well I mean you know I'm joking about Taylor Swift and and Sam Swift also a huge star Um, but all of this stuff right number one it sounds like any of the triple crown races on on steroids right because you know (laughs) uh, you got your fashion right and you got your uh, your hospitality um, you know because there's like business big business alone in the states built around like the cocktails that are get created by the different brands of bourbon for you know yes. something like the Kentucky Derby uh, but then when you add all of something like Taylor Swift or Sam Smith you know this has got to be useful in helping to do two things right reaching new customers right or is that not yes. an issue or and or adding value throughout the customer's lifetime
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it certainly assists with both of those things. Um, yeah, over, over the years, um, we have seen some of the attendances uh, grow on certain days, and other days we've seen them plateau, and even uh, on some some days there's been some drops, but we've been fortunate to keep our uh, attendance very strong year on year, and um, part of that is certainly having headline entertainment, having world-class hospitality, world-class facilities as well, which I, I must mention um, in, in some of our areas we've, um, we've really invested quite a lot of money to make sure that everything we do is world-class and that certainly helps with uh, bringing on board new customers and uh, keeping the ones who have been attending coming Year on year, as there's always something new and exciting to see.
0: Yeah, well, let me ask you this too, because you said uh, you know you have strong year to year attendance numbers, but the attendance grows on certain days. Now, is that that's a historic thing, or is there you know sort of an ebb and flow, you know, and I, which I, I'm assuming that yes, because right, you have your your, your big race, everything builds to that. Um, but you know, how do you kind of manage that so that you can kind of generate? you know, more attendees across the whole, you know, the whole event?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. And what we find uh, each day is quite different in what it offers. Obviously, there's the the core products of the the horse racing and um, some of the highest quality horses and racing going around uh, in the world. It certainly uh, attracts visitors from uh, all over the world, Horses are being sent over from Europe and uh, Japan, and um, it's it's really the the key the key place to be. I know it does clash a little bit with the Breeders' Cup over in the US, but um, yeah, we would we would see um, certainly all the best horses on on turf um, being in Australia at this time. So um, yeah, in terms of in terms of attendance growth, um, there's the the two Saturdays, um, it's the first day and the last day of the carnival. They they are really strong days, and um, obviously Saturdays, everyone's got that day off to be able to attend uh, the Lexus Melbourne Cup Day on the Tuesday, which is a public holiday uh, for most people in in our state of Victoria here. Certainly, everyone in Melbourne. Um, that that's. Year on year, it's a it's a bucket list item for people, not just in Australia, but uh, a lot of racing and uh, entertainment followers around the world have it as a bucket list item. So that certainly helps keep that day strong. And uh, Kennedy Oaks Day, which is on a Thursday, and it's actually on a work day over here. So that day has, has declined uh, going back about five or so years. However, we've seen it um bounce back in the the last few years as we've invested money in the entertainment we put on that day and we've made a change to it for this year as well by shifting the times so it's starting a little bit later in the day um and finishing a little bit later and it's just going to be a lot more action-packed uh race day with great entertainment and that will mean uh if people do have to work that they can work for a a few hours in the morning or work from home and then they can still get to the still get to the beautiful race course and uh, see most of the race day um, and we'll still be looking at getting you know at least uh, 70,000 people to to the track on a on a work day which I think is a huge huge win for us
0: it sounds like a you know a slow day at the track to be honest I'm just- I'm joking. Uh, Seventy thousand yeah. uh, 7, people during the week is pretty awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's um, even though for us it is our like uh, quietest attendance day. Uh, Seventy thousand is uh, still pretty amazing. And uh, context quality, is everything,
0: right?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a it's a really high quality experience on a day like that too. With um, yeah, a little bit smaller crowd, um, but yeah, we we certainly want to see that that race day grow and grow and we'll keep um, innovating year on year with all of our days to make sure that we keep uh, the attendance growing but also the experience growing as well.
0: Yeah, you brought up something that I don't want to let pass and I don't want to forget it but you talked about a couple questions back about world, making sure everything was world class. This is something yeah. that I, uh, and I maybe you probably are aware of this. I talk about it all the time, right? Everybody goes... And, oh, we're best in class this, or like, you know, we do the best in sports in this or that or the other, right? And I'm like, and I always say, hey, look, it's great that you're doing the best in sports, but that's not your competition. Your competition is every experience in the world. So you have to be world class. How did did you guys come up with this philosophy to make everything world class? You know, And how does it play out inside the organization?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's certainly um, it's how, how we go about what we do day to day. Our vision is that the Victoria Racing Club is treasured by all as a world leader in racing and event entertainment, guaranteeing an unrivaled experience for all aspects. So, um, so that's certainly um, something everyone is focused on it's in everything we do it's that unrivaled experience so yeah like so you that's said, the it,
0: mission uh, statement It's yeah, unrivaled that, 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 in all aspects
1: exactly yeah so yeah we're, we're well that's not
0: pretty powerful in. because most mission statements if sports clubs or organizations that are doing sport they don't have if i can't or i don't see them very often right um yes. that one's really great. <laughs> you know, yeah. I I, I want to point you. that out. That's pretty fantastic, unrivaled in all aspects. That sets an extremely high bar, which if I'm not mistaken and I know I'm stepping on you so I'm sorry, um <laughs> is it sets the 10, the, you know, the tempo for the organization. It's, you know, it focuses everybody's sights very high, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we've got uh great leadership and um certainly we're supported to, to be world-class in everything we do. Um, we've, as part of that vision, um, we're all, all staff are on board and um, we, we have regular all-staff get-togethers to, to bring everyone in and make sure that we're all working towards the same goal as one team to, to be world-class and uh, to, to be doing the very best because uh it's it's something our customers and our members expect as well so yeah we're certainly making sure in all aspects of what we do um whether it's um you know the the hospitality on a on a race day or the entertainment or the facilities or how we can communicate to customers yeah it's it's everything we do world class
0: Well, let me ask you this because, you know, you said you have all staff get-togethers to focus the teams on the mission of being unrivaled in all aspects. You know, how does that translate? You know, is it leadership talking to you? Does it take the form of training? Does it take the form of, you know, like a guidebook or like, you know, some kind of, you know, checklist or guide or something? You know, is it kind of like the Ritz-Carlton example where uh, people – no matter who you are in the organ in the building, can spend up to five thousand dollars to make sure somebody has a great time or to solve a problem at a Ritz Carlton. You know how does that play out for people? Because I, I, this world class thing and like having such a strong uh, mission statement I, is something I don't want to slip over because I, I you know, I, I don't see it and I think it's powerful.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, it's good point. We certainly uh, are strong in our values that. Uh, support that vision Um, the values is something that as a business we've worked on a lot in recent years and um, with those uh, our four key values are integrity innovation excellence and collaboration Uh, they they tie in really well together to get everyone working really closely together on being innovative and then with that achieving excellence Um, it's something that uh, around the office you know we have um, we have reminders about what what we're all here for and uh, certainly the way we work in projects uh, we, we real really remove um, the department versus department type competition that some businesses may have and it's a real collaborative environment where um, we're all working on projects together with everyone aligned for the, the same goals for the business to, to get to that world class and to be unrivaled. So um, certainly our leadership and our, uh, our board and executive team are very supportive of ensuring that we we reach what we're aiming for.
0: Yeah, and you said re- remove the department versus department so, uh, conflict that happens in a lot of places. You know, how do you encourage, uh, you know, kind of cross-department partnerships? Um, Because, again, this is something that when I talk with organizations around the world, it's a little bit of a challenge. You know, so for you, how does that play out?
1: Yeah, we've certainly um, come a long way. We probably um, focus on bringing everyone um, into the discussions, whether it's you know, a project on how, how are we going to uh, introduce a new product for this year. And rather than it just sitting with maybe the people that are selling that product, um, it's bringing in people from across the business um, who, who may or may not have much involvement with the product, but getting everyone's expertise and everyone's buy-in from an early stage on projects has really helped us in what we're doing. So uh, then... Then you've got that support all the way through to the delivery of that product, and um, yeah, we've we've made some big changes in recent years and bought in some new products, and some of those are our our um, best scoring uh, spaces when it comes to net promoter score and um, and achieving the results that we're after is um, is with those projects, everyone's been on board from the very start, and um, it's it's really meant that it's been a great collaborative project and everyone shares in the rewards of the success. So it's um, a real team environment.
0: Yeah, it, it's awesome, right? Because so when I hear you talk about bringing people in who maybe don't even directly interact with the product that you're introducing, but you bring them in anyway. I love to tell people all the time, you know, there's no telling where a good idea is going to come from, right? And so if you have somebody in the organization and everybody's or, uh, focus is on being unrivaled, it, may, it just makes sense to have everybody involved in this. And again, you know, I don't mean to harp on these things, but this is like a best practice that people should be um, using everywhere, right? It's like just let other people look at, you know, let people know what's going down because they might be able to tell you something that you would have not thought of because you have only your perspective. And getting a more holistic view from people around the business, it's really, really like a powerful way to make sure you're always delivering world-class experiences for people.
1: Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, Certainly when it comes to idea generation and innovation, everyone's got a seat at the table. Everyone's encouraged to contribute and that, that then, yeah, gets us to a point where we have so many great ideas and um, none of them get lost. We certainly keep, keep ideas that maybe we can't implement this year, that um, that could be something done in the future. So um, yeah, everyone's contributing to our success. It's great.
0: Yeah. And so you, you brought up innovation and that was one something I definitely wanted to ask you about too because you mentioned it several times how and and then you talked about bringing everybody together to contribute to the brainstorming and the ideation of it how do you manage the process of change in an organization especially one where you you know it's not just something that you focus on and that you um you know you try to generate it's a core value innovation what does that look like
1: yeah yeah that's a great question it's Certainly, something we've focused. It's also
0: my on. research for my talk that I'm giving in Sydney. So I, just, <laughs> so I, you know, I've got all, all, every incentive in the world to ask you questions about change and innovation. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, it's a really, really enjoyable topic to to talk about, and everyone, everyone out there loves to innovate um, and and make change. And it's certainly um, similar to what I spoke about earlier. Having that buy-in at the start when it comes to change across the business, um, our, our leadership has been great in explaining um, where we need to get to to achieve our goals and, and that certainly involves innovation and change um, because if, if you're not making changes or staying the same um, and we've seen plenty of businesses and other uh Different industries, some in sports, some in other spaces um, that haven't changed, and and they've slowly uh, dropped away, and and some some are no longer around. So yeah, as a as a business where we need to keep uh, providing exciting experiences and world class experiences for our customers, we know it's a really competitive space out there. So um, we we see what's happening around the world and. We we look at different organisations and we have all of our own ideas and we we go from there with um, what we can implement and getting that buy-in across the business that what we're going to do uh, it it's a might be a risk but let's take that risk because the rewards will come.
0: Yeah, this is um, this idea of risk, right? That you brought up. One and, and you talked about change. You can't stand still, right? Because if you're not moving forward, then you're sliding back. Because the thing is, it's like nothing stands still, right? That's right. But, but you talk about risk, and risk risk is one of these things that's really interesting, right? Because a lot of times people run from risk, or they try to like um, it's not like you know how do I want to put it? Because it's, it's a complicated question. Risk is really difficult sometimes to convey to people. You have to have a certain willingness to take risk, right? Just to be successful in life. You also don't get very far if you are just a crazy risk taker. So the the goal is to manage risk. Uh, Yes.
1: And
0: and so how do you and your team focus on managing risk? Because, you know, like you can make the best decision in the world that may not pan out. Um, or you can make some crazy decision and it works great one time. You know, how do you manage it and create a risk profile, knowing that some things are going to work and some things are not, but so that you don't ever get stuck where you're f- afraid of risk?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Our, our, uh, all of our staff are certainly supported to take a take a risk, and I think that's that's a really key point. Is um, leaders. Giving, giving staff the support to take a risk and, you know, if it doesn't work out exactly as planned, that's okay. Um, learn from it, get something out of that and, and try again and that's uh, something we've certainly been supported in doing um, year on year. So, yeah, when it comes to something that we want to do and it might be uh, introduce a new product or... Uh, change what something looks like significantly. Um, yeah, we, we put it on the table and um, it'll go go through a review from uh, teams at different levels within the business. And uh, if if we've got that support to proceed, um, which which is generally what happens, uh, it's like okay, let's let's go with this and everyone, let's um, back ourselves. We're going to make this work and. Um yeah, certainly we we'll all do our best to make it work and if something may not have uh, gone perfectly we'll um you know we'll review that we'll we'll make a few adjustments and we'll go again next time
0: What's interesting to me and this is totally outside the scope of what we I figured we would talk about but it's it's something that um it becomes apparent as I listen to you talk is that you and, and and your organization have really strong project management skills and project management practices in place. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. It's certainly something we've invested in in recent years. Um, the way the way businesses almost need to work these days is put put a bit more of a project management lens on things. Uh, That's certainly helped us in achieving some of our really big goals in the last couple of years. And, um, yeah, without that project management approach, I, um, you know, we may not have had the success that we, we had aimed for.
0: No, no. And I ask, it, I ask specifically about that because I have – and this will be the first time I've ever mentioned this on the podcast. I have a, a column that I write for the Project Management Institute, and I've written it now for – So 2019, so almost seven years. And for a long time, I was the most widely read project manager in the world. Um, And so when I hear all of these things, this podcast is not just really teaching us a lot about change and innovation and um, working together and collaboration and a lot of these things. Is really something that people who are wondering how or why you should implement project management in your organization if it's not like a tech-based organization or, or something that would not be considered a normal project management environment really need it because you talked about uh, having a process in place to make decisions, right? Right. Uh, understanding that there's a risk management framework understanding that if we're successful or or failure we review everything and we kind of take best practices back i mean it's it's, it's a fantastic case study and i want to highlight that because it's you know again this is I, who knew i was going to get all these best practices from you man this is awesome <laughs> just trying to share a few little insights no you. <laughs> this is totally great now i want <laughs> Well, we're all over the place, right? But, uh, when you know, when you get like two two old buddies talking, you know, you can go wherever you want. Um, <laughs> now, let me—I do want to talk a little bit about the you know membership base and uh, retention, right? Because that's yes. a big part of what you're doing. Um, you know, yes, the racing club is much more than just the you know just the cup, and I'm sure that like a lot of places that host a big sort of uh, flagship event. Um, you know, you, you have a annual calendar of events and part of the way that you are successful is you drive attendance all year round, you know, especially members and getting people in on regular race days that aren't, you know, marquee events. Um, you know, what's the philosophy about behind, you know, number one, on just your average race day driving attendance. Mm -hmm. And then, um. You know, then we'll move on in the membership and retention. But what what what's the philosophy behind that you would use just in general?
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, during the year, say uh, this racing season, we've got 25 race days for the full season, uh, and yeah, there's obviously the the pinnacle of the year, which is the Melbourne Cup Carnival. But then yeah, there's some uh, there's some quieter race days in in summer and winter. Um, but e- even at those Race days, we're still always making sure that our facilities are world class. We're putting on extra surprises and entertainment for our customers who are attending. Um, putting together different offerings in our in our restaurants, whether it be some uh, s- some guest chefs or some uh, some different menu items that uh, fit in with the seasons of the year. Um, Really, always trying to give our members a a first-class experience, Um, whether it's the biggest race days of the year where, you know, we're getting over 100,000 people or um, some of the the smaller times of the year where we're closer to 10,000 people and majority of those being our our loyal members that love love racing, love our facilities and uh, love the experiences that we can provide for them.
0: Yeah, the the word that you use a lot, and I, you know, and I and I agree because that's what it sounds like is experience. And it seems that due to several decisions that are made as an organization, um, your the way that you think about experience is holistic, right? And you have captured all of this thinking that's floating around in the world about, hey, look, it's great that we're having a race, right? Um, you know, the same way it's like, for, you know, Australian rules football game or a baseball game in the States or uh, a soccer match in the UK, right? In Europe. Um, it, it, but it's more than just a game, right? And you make sure that like, yeah. no matter what happens, right? It, it, you know, in sp- ball and bat sports, it would be about winning or losing, right? You make sure that no matter what, we're, we're going to create this environment where you have a good time.
1: Yeah, spot on, spot on. Yeah, yeah, we're always looking to do that.
0: Yeah, it, no, it, it's great, and it just comes across it, it comes across in the way that, like, everything you talk about, right? Um, you know, from the offerings you have to the surprises. And I'm sure some of them are announced in advance, right? Like, you're like, going, oh, yeah, we're going to do this on this race day. Am I correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, we're always uh, looking at trying to inform our, our members and customers what's going on for the race day uh, coming up. And that'll be from, um, you know, when we go on sale for that race day uh, and what other events are on on that day so they know well in advance they can book into whether it's their favourite restaurant or whether it's um, a restaurant they haven't been to that where we might be having a special menu for that day. Um, or it's um, also then, yeah, letting them know, Um, on the day we're always, um, putting, putting information through the screens or through flyers and through our, um, staff on the day, letting people know what's happening. But then, yeah, sometimes it's nice to throw in a few little surprises as well as a a little thank you for coming along.
0: Well, that was what I was going to throw the trick question at you too. And I was going to be like, but when you saw say surprises, you know, how often is it that like something, um, unexpected does happen?
1: That's a good question. That's something which I I can't say how often those surprises are going to happen. But uh, yeah, we 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 certainly um, like to give people keep um, them on their toes. Yeah, that's it. Keep people guessing. <laughs> um, yeah, we have a great uh, loyalty program as well for our members, which uh, rewards on uh, on their tenure of membership, on on their spend, and also. Um, uh, on on their attendance on race days. So that that certainly helps uh, drive attendance. But, um, yeah, when when people have made the effort to come along to a race day at maybe a time of the year where there's lots of things on or the weather's not great, yeah, we, we like to, um, you know, make sure that they're having a great time and it might be um, some extra entertainment put on or... Um, yeah, a few little bonuses that they can enjoy.
0: And how do you identify these bonuses, right? Because I have a friend, a guy called Martin Gameltov, who's with Activity Stream, like his his thing, his gig is he loves magic moments. Um, you know, and he loves to figure out like ways to do like little personal things that are going to um, just wow a customer, a guest. Yes. You know how how do you manage that process?
1: Yeah, yeah, we certainly have a look at um, what what space um, we're looking to maybe have a have a little activation, or um, it might be something linked in with one of our sponsors who um, we like to uh, assist in in some of their goals as well. So um, yeah, it, it can really just depend on. Where we're looking at holding it and for which audience. Certainly, um, for some of our members, we know that um, we know what they like to do um, in certain areas. So, in some bars, it might be that there's some extra entertainment or there might be uh, a a sponsor related uh, food or beverage activation where there's some wine tasting, for example, from some of our beautiful local winemakers, uh, it might be that um, for those that really love their the racing and the, the uh, gambling side of things, it might be from one of our sponsors that there's a, a voucher so they can put on a, a free bet to enjoy um, having a bit of fun with that. So yeah, we're always trying to mix things up with um, different audiences and cater for different tastes. And I
0: have a question about the Loyalty program too, because those things are interesting to me as well, and they're you know they're tough to manage sometimes. You laid out three really three real areas that you you focus on, which is tenure, spend, and attendance. What yes. exactly are you trying to incentivize? Like you know, how does it balance itself out for you? And if you can't t- tell me that, I completely understand because that might be a proprietary thing.
1: <laughs> uh, we certainly um, want to. Um, give our members a reward for uh, all of those things. Um, some of our members have been uh, members for over 50 years and um, when they get to that, that spot, um, they become a, a life member, which um, basically means that they receive a complimentary membership, including a, a guest pass, and that's, that's a really fantastic reward we can give to those members who have been with us for over 50 years. Um, there's, um, there's certainly attendance is, is great. We, we want our members to be engaged and coming to the, to the venue. Um, we understand that not everyone can and, and that's why uh, it's not purely focused on attendance as it, it was in the past. Um, we like to be able to reward people yeah, on, on their their tenure, but also their their spend, because some of our members uh, do spend quite a lot of money with us, And uh, but if they're not spending a lot of money with us, that's okay too, because um, hopefully they're engaged and enjoying the membership by either attending on the race days or enjoying um, some of the content we put online, ideally that... Um, yeah, we keep them coming back year on year and giving them new exciting experiences to enjoy.
0: No, that I mean that, that's like really awesome. You know, you kind of weight it and you reward all three of the things, and you you reward them differently so that each person, if they're at every race, right, they still feel special because they they're there. And then if you you're a whale. To use the gambling term, you you feel <laughs> special in your own way as well. No, and I think it's great. And you said you do st- like part of the reward comes in on like consuming things online. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Uh, so at the moment, um, there's not really something we've got in place for that, but that that could be something we could get to in the future. So um, yeah, we. With the different rewards we provide, whether they're uh, additional guest tickets or um, all the points that they earn from, um, from their loyalty program, they can redeem for different things. And um, Again, we've got a range of experiences and vouchers that hopefully covers what, um, what all of our members are after, but we're always refining what we offer um, as a way of thanking members for being loyal to us.
0: Oh yeah, no. I was I was just asking about the online thing because you know I ask about that and think about that quite regularly. And I was like, oh, and if you combine the offline and the in-person thing, you know, or online and in-person thing, successfully, uh, your bosses were going to hunt me down and shoot me when I was in Melbourne because somebody was going to steal you away and give you a, a new job. <laughs> Because I think that's the holy grail for everybody, <laughs> is if you could do that. Like, you could figure out how to incentivize those things very well.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 no, it's uh, certainly a challenge.
0: I was going to look for a cover, when, <laughs> get a disguise when I was in Melbourne. <laughs> so, <because laughs> your bosses are going to be like, Dave got Doug a new job, and we got to get rid <laughs> of him. So, so now, one of the challenges, I've uncovered a cer- certain number of trends, right? And growing membership seems to be a point of um, focus for a lot of organizations, um, no matter what the, the, the sport or activity. Um, and I know it's like a, some everybody's trying to figure it out, you know, because everybody wants to continue to make sure that they have a wide and supportive fan base, right, and a membership base. Yeah. You know, what are, you know, how are you continuing to make sure that you focus on your membership base and that you keep them you know, engage in the short term and the long term, and you keep having you know renewing your fan base and growing it in a way that makes it, you know, coming to the racetrack uh, vibrant.
1: Yeah, yeah. We we've certainly um, in the last year or so we um, we had a big acquisition campaign, which was a great success, and that was linked in with us building a a new grandstands, a hundred and twenty eight million dollar. Uh, club stand it's, it's called and um, it's it's absolutely world class and certainly would challenge any any facility in uh, any sporting arena across the world um, it certainly helped us um, because a lot of our members at that time, new people new family, friends who had maybe enjoyed coming along as a guest and at that time we, we gave a a promotion where um, new members could sign up and go straight to full membership uh, as opposed to spending a period of time as a restricted member, which uh, has some limitations during our peak times of the year. So um, in terms of acquisition, uh, we're always looking at what we're doing in that space to to grow the membership base. Um, We're fortunate we have a really high retention rate. Uh, So... We, we keep a close eye on our, our numbers to make sure that um, we're not overcrowding our facilities as well when it comes to the, the busiest days of the year, um, hence why we have uh, a category of membership, which we call restricted membership, which has uh, just got some limitations on our two biggest days of the year. Um, but yeah, with um, acquisition being really strong, especially in the, the last couple of years with um, with the world-class facilities, and then um, it's been a very consistent high retention rate in over many years. Um, yeah, we're in a really fortunate position at the moment, but it doesn't mean that we stop and uh, and stop doing any activity in that space. Yeah, we're always looking at how we can uh, introduce new customers and new members into the club.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, it wouldn't sound like you work in an environment where people take things for granted?
1: No, not at all. No, we know, um, yeah, in this in this world, yeah, we're very fortunate to have, uh, yeah, great support from our members. But um, we also know that, um, you know, we, we need to keep growing the, the business. It's it's a place where um, being a not-for-profit, we, we reinvest, back into the facilities and the experiences so um yeah it's great if we can um grow grow the membership base it means yeah the the place continues to evolve and get better and better
0: yeah and 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 knowing that you have a mission statement that's built strictly around that um you know gives me a lot of hope that i think this this um Continued focus on improving and experiences is going to, you know, is not going to stop anytime soon.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. No. um, Every year we we look at where we're at, and it's like, okay, what what can we do better this year? And um, yeah, like this year um, coming coming off the back of a new grandstand last year, um, this year we're we're focused on another couple of areas that will be um, again lifted. To uh, new levels for for this Melbourne Cup Carnival. So uh, yeah, it's not too far away now. Yeah,
0: well, that's awesome. Now, done. I um, I hesitate to ask you this question because I know that you're again. I don't want to upset your bosses. But where can people find you on the internet?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm I, worried um, about
0: these job offers coming in for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I'm pretty active on uh, LinkedIn in um, in reading LinkedIn and yeah, checking out awesome awesome articles and what's happening in that space. So yeah, Doug Man on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Twitter, but on Twitter more of a follower of um, of my US sports and um, big Green Bay Packer fan. So I keep an eye on a lot of my sports through Twitter. Um, so yeah, they're the main two items uh, in terms of online.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I tell everybody if they know me, they know to look for me on the Twitter. Um, because yeah. Because that's the best place to find me because um, <laughs> I, fi- I uh, you know, I learn so much from it. Um, maybe sometimes I learn too much. <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they're, they're both uh, great sources of information and, yeah, I certainly like to check in uh, on those when I can just to see what's happening in the world.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for doing the podcast.
1: Thank you, Dave. It's been a real pleasure being on today.
0: What did you think my, about my conversation with Doug Mann from the Victoria Racing Club? I'm really curious. Send me an email, Dave at DaveWakeman.com, with your comments, questions, ideas, whatever. As always, you can find out what I'm up to by visiting my website. That's www.DaveWakeman.com. You'll find all kinds of stuff there, uh, including my blog, that gets updated pretty regularly. Um, If you want to connect with me on social media, I'd love it if you would. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at David Wakeman. Or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. If you like what I'm up to, I also have this brand new ticket and entertainment business specific newsletter called Talking Tickets that comes out once a week on Friday. It's five stories that are specifically that you should have been paying attention to and focused on entertainment and making money in the live entertainment business. Um, Five stories, why you should have been paying attention to them, what you can learn from them. Uh, You can get that newsletter by sending me an email at daviddavewakeman.com with the subject line talking tickets in there. I'll get you signed up. Or there is a link in the show notes. If you like what I'm doing on the podcast, I would love it if you would share an episode with a friend or colleague. It's a really great way to help them learn and it helps me grow the podcast. If you really have already shared the podcast, possibly you'd want to be a subscriber. We're on most of the major podcast platforms now and so it's easy to find us. Um, As I found out just the other day, you can even call my name out on, on Alexa and Alexa will play the latest episode of the Business of Fun. It's amazing. How widely and how easily it is to listen to the podcast. And if you're a subscriber, I'd love it if you'd leave a review, good or bad. It helps me make sure that the podcast is better or improves or that you're getting the ideas and the conversations that you need to help your business. As always, I want to thank my friends at Booking Protect for being such fantastic partners of the Business of Fun podcast and of me in general. You can check them out by visiting their website at www.bookingprotect.com. You find out how to become a partner to deliver world-class customer service, just like Doug talked about on this episode. Um, You can find out how to give your customers and your guests a more personalized buying path, and you can maybe even generate a substantial new stream of revenue for your organization. You'll also want to make sure that you come to the Ticketing Professionals Conference in Sydney, Australia on the 14th and 15th of November, just around the corner, where you'll have a chance to meet me and Simon Mab, Booking Protect CEO, in person. You can get your tickets to the, bo- the Ticketing Professionals Conference by visiting their website, which is www.ticketingprofessionals.com.au. That web address, again, because it's a little bit tricky, is www.ticketingprofessionals.com.au. Finally, make sure to get my new email newsletter that comes out on Friday. called Talking Tickets. I know I said it before, but this is brand new. Uh, it's really cool. Uh, people really seem to love it. You can get that by emailing me at my name, daviddavewakeman.com. Put the subject line, Talking Tickets. I'll get it for you queued up for Friday. It's five stories that you should have probably been paying attention to in tickets and live entertainment This week, with a little bit short, couple cents analysis of the situation, how to approach it, uh, and how it could impact your business. So give me that, you know, check that out. Finally, thank you for being here. And until next time, I will talk to you again soon. Take it easy. Bye-bye.